Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 86, Skywriting and the Most Memorable Moments of 2014, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 86 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm Carl Valerio. I'll be your host this evening. And today we are joined by the whole aviation gang. It's Sean Moody, Victoria Neuville, Rick Felty, and Eric Crump. And it's, ex- oh, sorry, and Turbo the Flying and Turbo. Dog. Can't forget Gosh, about you can't forget about Turbo. And we will be <laughs> reminded of that. This is our, our last live episode of the year. And uh, I know in the past couple episodes we've been talking live from some events. But this is so cool to have have everybody here together again once again talking some wonderful aviation geekery and uh and i you know one of the things that i love about flying is that uh besides just flying we love to talk about flying so let's say hi to everybody rick where are you this evening and uh i am outside of boston and it's uh you know rainy early early uh, winter kind of weather but but it's great could be worse great and victoria <laughs> i think you're you're joining us from somewhere else or are you in your normal recording studio i just barely made it on time to my recording studio uh. aka my husband's desk <laughs> and eric crump is in, in beautiful sunny central florida yeah. um it was sunny but it's actually cold today and by cold rick i mean it was 65 so um oh. it was it was just frigid um, when I, when I, it was funny when I first got here, it's so you go out and it's 65 degrees and people are wearing parkas and gloves and you're just like, really? And then you stay here two years and, and you're doing the same thing <laughs> and people are making fun of you. Um, cause it really does thin your blood out. But anyway, yeah. So it was a frigid 65 in central Florida today, beautiful, sunny, um, and, uh, got to do some flying. It's one of those cool things when you take off in Central Florida and you can see the skyline of Tampa and Orlando at the same time. You know, it's a pretty day. Awesome. Yes, I was, I was green with envy when I saw you go flying today. I actually got to see <laughs> Eric for five minutes today. and, and I, was I offered so ho- you to take the flight, but you wouldn't do it. I would have loved to if I could. <laughs> I would have loved to. That sounded like so much fun. And uh, also joining us today, somebody who has been uh, away from the show for a little while because of some, some work situations and is joining us from the home of uh, whiskey and also Kentucky air conditioning. And it's uh, Sean Moody. Hey, Sean. <laughs> a little bit of everything. And basketball. You and can't basketball. basketball. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yes. we just we just came off That's another right. win tonight. Awesome. No, it's good. Glad to be back. Uh, like my work shifts have been kind of crazy lately, so uh, glad to be back on. Um, and it's actually not uh, as far as Kentucky winners go. It's kind of nice so far. Our November was terrible. There were a couple of days we were down at twelve degrees, eleven degrees, um, and so now we're in the 
30s, 40s, and I will take that all day long. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And it's a wonderful state to fly around. And uh, it's actually three states in one, east, central, and west. And uh, That's right. They, they all have their different geographies and, and also the different types of cooking, et cetera. So yep. <laughs> uh, lo- I love love that area. It's it's a, it's a wonderful area. It's uh, got some neat, neat rivers. But again, mm. everybody, welcome. Uh, I am here in uh, Frigid. Uh, Florida, it's uh, 59 degrees, and I am actually, I've got my bunny boots on, I've got my sweatpants <laughs> on, and sweatshirt on, and for uh, for Floridians, they understand what I'm talking about. 59 is is way too cold. Uh, it's way, way too frigid, that's for sure. Let's do the pre-flight. But we've all been doing some uh, interesting uh, flying uh, recently, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But first, uh, before we get started, a couple of announcements that we have. Uh, the first one, actually, I think is uh, a listener mail that uh, Eric Crump is going to talk about. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to th- uh, throw a shout-out to Jason up in what I'm sure is very frigid Alaska. Um, thank you for the email. It's always nice to uh, talk to listeners of the show. It's really just nice to talk to anybody about airplanes. I don't care if you listen to the podcast or not. I just like talking about airplanes. Um, Jason uh, you know, had a setback in his career. Some medical issues came up. And um, Jason is probably one of the most determined-sounding people, uh, in an email anyway, that uh, I think I've ever digitally met. So I just wanted to throw a shout-out to you, Jason, what you're doing. I know you're coming back from a long way, and you're putting in a lot of effort, a lot of work. And uh, I appreciate that. I respect it. And I know that you're going to do well just because of your attitude toward everything. And uh, as soon as you make it back into the caravan, I expect to see some pictures of you um, and getting the job done. So Keep fighting the good fight, and I'm uh, very, very much excited to see you back in the caravan very soon. Well, I commend uh, Jason for all. I saw the email and, and for all that hard work. And gosh, I'd love to hear a follow up on that. And you know, if anybody's listening and hasn't been flying in a long time or has been trying to get back into aviation and due to whatever family, medical, etc., uh, his story really is inspirational. When I read it, I was like, "Wow, wow, this is this is something else." Well, thanks for that, Eric. Um, the other announcement we have, I think, is from Oh yes, Victoria has. A really, actually, uh, I think the person she's going to talk about was barking in the background. He was a turbo. It's all about him. <laughs> and uh, it's been all about him this week because Turbo the Flying Dog book is now for sale. Yay. You can find it at his website, uh, turbotheflyingdog.com. And it's also available on amazon.com. So um, if you want to leave a review once you get a copy on Amazon, that's greatly appreciated. But um it's been a lot of fun and been getting a lot of support from the aviation community and a lot of pilots have been ordering it already. Wow. And you said it's Turbo's uh, website. So, uh, you know, who's he using for hosting? Do you know? Uh, <laughs> he's not going to bark about it, is he? The uh, yeah. <laughs> That is an awesome site, by the way. I love the pictures and, and the artwork. And uh, I'm sure the book is the same. It is. It's it's very exciting. It looks just like the cartoon version of him. The airplanes are pretty much realistic more realistic than your usual book and um in book two turbo learns to fly you'll be seeing a lot more airplanes and a lot more intricate parts that kids will get to learn about so if i contact uh, turbo on the website is he gonna bark at me or are you gonna translate oh he he'll there's a little bit of both a little bit of I, both? I help yes <laughs> awesome and it's great ways to order it there so turbo the flying dog that that is awesome hey you know my favorite picture of turbo now is uh, the one, I think he was on top of a desk in some news studio. Where was that? 
Yep, that was on uh, Baltimore Channel Fox 45. He was on their morning show. Awesome, awesome. He was a wonderful guest. I, I think everybody's enamored by Bart Terbo. He's, he's got some incredible stage presence. That's he does. Sure. It was his first live appearance, uh, appearance and he did amazing. <laughs> and uh, he's got some great outfits, too. I just love his smile. Just this, the neatest <laughs> smile he's got. So uh, I haven't met Turbo yet. I can't wait to say hi to Turbo. So terrific. You Turbo need to. Out. Yes, I do. He's been asking about you. Has he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a big fan of the podcast, I hope. Oh, he listens every night. Yeah, he's usually howling, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, he's actually usually begging for my attention and wondering where the other voices are coming from. <laughs> that's funny. But uh, So Turbo the Flying Dog, that's cool. Uh, other announcements, we'll talk a little bit about, more about Turbo and some uh, links to it later. And we'll have it in the show notes, by the way. Really need to check it out. Uh, other announcements today is, oh, by the way, this is uh, the last episode for the year. The next episode will be a best of in which uh, all the hosts and co-hosts of the show uh, decide which uh, which shows which parts they like the best, which episodes, and also uh, it's based on what feedback we get from from you, the listener. So uh, we'll have some little uh, snippets after that. So yes, this will be the last show of this year, and uh, we won't see or listen or or talk to you till 2015. Now entering cruise flight. But with us that said, uh, we do have uh, an interesting episode here where. Uh, you know, first of all, we're going to talk about something that Victoria did that was so exciting that I've always wanted to do, and uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the flying we've done this year and relate to you some of the the neatest and most memorable flights and also some of the most amazing things we've seen from airplanes. But to start us off, Victoria, uh, you had mentioned now. I don't. I know you mentioned this before, but I not quite. I don't quite understand what you did. I know you did something with skywriting. So could you uh, just explain what you did and and try to paint us a picture? I sure can. Um, this flight was one of my favorites of the year, and I actually learned a lot and um, improved my piloting skills because of it and really stretched myself. It was great. Um, I had been notified of a scholarship called Dare to be Different, and it wasn't your usual scholarship where you write an essay and send in a recommendation letter. The only requirements were that you had to be a current 99 member and that you be unique. And that was it. Unique. So I was like, well, an essay is not unique. A recommendation letter is not unique. I have to do something in my plane that is unique but shows them that, you know, I deserve this and I'm passionate about aviation. So I got to thinking about how cool it would be to skywrite the name of the scholarship, which was Dare to be Different. But I have no experience in skywriting. I do not have the equipment. Obviously, I'd have to get some training, and that would cost more than the scholarship amount. So I got to thinking, what happens if I just fly this and have the GPS track my flight? Oh. So what I decided to write was Dare to Be, uh, D-A-R-E, and then the number two and the letter B. And... That's exactly what I did for my submission. And it all started with some graph paper. Basically, I wrote out dare to be on the graph paper without ever lifting my pen. Because obviously, in certain letters, you can't just fly the arc of the A and then go and cross the line. Because the GPS is going to be tracking what you're doing. So you have to backtrack a lot. Hmm. So I graphed it all on graph paper to see if this was doable. 
It's kind of like an Etch-A-Sketch in the air. Exactly. That's the perfect way to describe that's it. And that's nice. kind of how it nice. looks. I did very boxy letters. Um, I made sure that I had them all on cardinal headings so I wouldn't get confused. So every time, you know, when I drew up the top of the D, going up in the D, I made sure that was heading north. And then, you know, when I came back down, well, I'm going to head south. When I have to go left, all right, we'll make sure that's to 270. Every time I had to turn right, well, that goes just to zero nine or zero. So I always made sure I was on these cardinal headings so I wouldn't get confused. Um, so after tracking that out, figuring out how long each of my length legs will be, I made coordinates for each of the major points where there was a turn or a line intersecting or a line that I had to backtrack. And we plotted those coordinates on a map, and then we put all those coordinates into my GPS program. And so we followed that once we were in the air. Well, that's pretty neat. And then how would you can see this somewhere you said online? I'm trying yes. to find it here. So what we did, it's on my blog. The okay, pixiepilot.com has the in-depth details of how I came to do this all. This is the short version right now. Um, we had GPS Essentials app running, and that tracks our um, our flight. And then you can download a KML KML KLM KML file that you put into Google Earth, and you can actually play back what you did. So I have a YouTube video of me flying the Dare to Be words, and you can see the view out of the cockpit, and then you can see the map redrawing the track. Oh, cool. That's way cool. You know what? Yeah. I, want, I want to see a video on how you did this, too. Put a video to, to, to. It was more difficult than I expected. One thing was, when you backtrack, obviously there's wind. You have wind corrections. Obviously, you have to turn around, and you can't make this quick turnaround. So all my turnarounds were pretty loopy, and you have to find your way back to that track. So it's nice to have a navigator there to help you. So Bob actually guided me and told me when to start and stop my turns. When I first started flying them, I was paying attention to my distance and watching the GPS. But in the end, what worked out best was Bob calling my turns, telling me which direction to turn to, and telling me when to stop when I re-intersected the certain line. Because with the wind... Um, and just, you know, pilot error, not paying attention, it was really easy to get off that desired track to keep the nice-looking letter. And steep turns. At the end of this, it was great with my steep turns once again. <laughs> so this is a great way to get current again. Uh, it was. <laughs> it, it was, you know, and it had been a while. I only usually do cross-country flights. I don't do all this, you know, work on steep turns and, you know, chandelles and things like that all the time. So getting up in the air and having to pay attention to my track, pay attention to how my turns were, and keeping it coordinated and nice looking, because I was going to put this on YouTube, um, it was definitely a challenge. And it was just under two hours of flight. Um, a good half hour solid of that was drawing out the letters. And for the first time, I was extremely impressed of how it came out. So you said two hours of flight, but is the how long is the video? Um, the video is two minutes. I didn't think oh. anyone wanted to watch something that long, so it's super <laughs> sped up. Cool. 
Awesome. I definitely have to take a peek at that, and that's at your at your blog there. Um, mm-hmm. As a matter, wow, that that's pretty awesome. I never would have thought of that. That's such a neat idea. Um, I, I'm going to have to try this. Have you discovered anyone else? I mean, in doing this, did you research were there people that had done this in, in any similar kind of way? Is there a, it almost sounds like a thing that would exist in the world, you know, a kind of a cool flying hobby. It does slightly. The, I have had heard about it before. First of all, mm-hmm. there was a gentleman online that drew out Merry Christmas in cursive. Wow. And 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 then the, the Boeing has done it when when they tested their flight. Um, oh yeah, the jet. Oh, yeah. And that went across the whole United States. Obviously, I can't do something like that in the Cessna 172. No. And then um, <laughs> TJ from TJ's Flying Adventures had spelled out TJ oh. before. So I looked at his blog to get a little bit of guidance, but there was nothing out there to really help me how to best plan this and to mm-hmm. um, find you know, apps and stuff to assist mm-hmm. me in the planning. And it, it took quite a bit of planning between the graph paper, um, figuring out the distance, figuring out where I wanted to do this, where there was no airspace issues, um, no mountains to run into, figuring out how to um, how long I wanted it to be. Because at one point I drew it out having each leg be like five miles. And then I was like, wow, we're going to be flying for a very long time. So uh, lots of planning went into it, and I tried to be pretty detailed on my blog um, when I wrote about it because it was something that there wasn't much, not many resources out there. Right, yeah. yeah that's awesome. The, uh, I guess you're, it might be a new movement now, uh, GPS track skywriting. Uh, and <laughs> Victoria can start writing books about that. I think that's a, that's a great idea. I definitely uh, want to do it again. I think I'm going to do one for work and spell it Air Pros. So, um I think yeah, Eric and I should do this. Since we're you so should. Close here. Eric, we should try this out. I, I definitely want to see do how You do need a navigator. Uh, yes. I agree. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I who, second that emotion. Who, who, gets the, who flies and who navigates, though, Eric? That's what I want to know. Oh, I know. I can already tell you how that's going to work out. <laughs> He's going to laugh at my landings, I know. Hey, I'm anyway. sorry, Carl, but, you know, I, I'm going to have to be the captain because you just – you can't occupy the left seat yet. I'm oh, sorry. that's true. Gosh, sorry. Yeah. With the big stripes, but. <laughs> well, Victoria, that's a that's a cool story, actually. You know, Victoria, you've you've been doing a whole bunch of stuff lately. I just I just remembered something. You you were on uh, the Airplane Geeks. And, I was. Yeah. They're so much fun. <laughs> you know what's funny is that the the name of this the episode was called Dogs and Drones. And I'm thinking, was Turbo flying the drone at first? And I said, <laughs> wait a minute. He hasn't done that yet, has he? That That's book seven. That's book seven. <laughs> so what did, what did you guys talk about over there on, on uh, Airplane Geeks? Was it about the book? Yes, I was there promoting the book. And um, we talked from everything. Yeah, we started off talking about drones and talking about how those um, are affecting our airspace these days. And then we moved into talking about how the Turbo series came to be, um, self-publishing. We touched a little bit on Kickstarter and, um, you know, pretty much how we promoted the book and how we got there and 
uh, it was a lot of fun. They're they're a fun group of guys. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. Airplane geeks. We'll we'll put the link to that uh, to that show so uh, so people can listen to that. But uh, that sounds pretty awesome. If you want to hear a little bit more about the airplane geeks, they're just a lot of fun. It was and, a fun uh, podcast crossover. <laughs> yes, yes, that's for sure. Well, gosh, Victoria, thanks. I appreciate that. That's that's a, a neat announcement, and I wish you the best with the book. And and I encourage everybody to go out there and buy it. It uh, looks like a really neat gift coming up for you know Christmas. Uh, Santa Paws. Santa Paws, yes. Ah, that was my line. But that was awesome. Yeah, uh, Great. I, I think it's really neat that you put that together so quickly, too. I thought it was quickly put together. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're finishing up a, a, a book, of a scholarships book, and it's taken us forever to do that. But, well, uh, the book has been planned for two years now. Um, we had slowly been working on it, but the really the past few months, maybe starting in August, September, is when we really put the plan into overdrive and got it done cool cool well awesome i appreciate that and uh so again go look at uh, your blog go to amazon find it find it there turbo the flying dog or uh go uh, actually you can link off your website to the actual amazon and purchase it there so that's awesome there too. yep so moving right along that's it for our announcements this evening i usually have an announcement for something coming up but uh i don't have it right now but uh we don't have much going on at the holiday season, so I won't be doing any more live live broadcasts. But moving on to our, our topic this week, one of the things that, that I do every year at the end of the year, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to include as a topic for, for this podcast, is reflecting back on, on what I did uh, for the past year flying. And I thought it'd be neat to hear some of the stories of, of from our co-hosts as far as, you know, what was was the most memorable flight that you had in the past year and, and the other thing is you know what was the neatest thing that you saw from the air and uh and you know i'd, I'd love to kick off this this conversation with with uh eric talking a little bit about you know what what was uh you know the mem- most memorable flight from this year i guess the most memorable flight i've had this year i think i already talked about it in a previous episode but um I love finding reasons to use aviation. I mean, I, I do it for a living every day, and that's fine. I mean, I, I love it. But finding those opportunities to use aviation in personal ways where, you know, without aviation it wouldn't have worked. I love those stories. I love that as a as a case for why general aviation is so important. And um, when my sister had her baby in September, there was no way I was going to be able to put the four of us on an airplane and fly us up there with a day's notice. I mean, it, I forget, it was like $2,700 um, to fly the four of us up there. And driving with a seven-year-old and a four-year-old for 12 hours is not something I want to do either. Um, and so I had an opportunity to get in um, what has arguably become one of my favorite small airplanes, which is the Technum P2006T, the, the light Technum twin. And um, I just absolutely love flying that airplane. But I got to put the family in it, and um, I got to fly us up on our schedule. I got to get my kids up in the front seat um, and help me fly. Uh, my kids were simulating air traffic control calls to me, um, <laughs> which was just hilarious. <laughs> and, um, and and just getting to, getting to do that with the family. Of course, the, the wife is a pilot, so having – I did one leg with her in the front, so she was kind of helping me out with – uh, charts and checklists and stuff, which was a really weird flashback because it's it's been a really long time since we've flown in an airplane together, uh, where I was flying the airplane, um, and which was it was just a lot of fun. Uh, we just we had a blast, and it was one of those really awesome cases for we, this is the only way this trip would have really logically worked. 
and um, and of course for my family because I started flying when I was thirteen at my local airport um, in Alabama, and um, to go back in there in this twin, a lot of the people that are that were there at the airport who are my mentors are still out there, still hanging out, still telling stories. And so um, when we were leaving, it was a, a Saturday morning, and so all the airport bums were out at the airport. And um, it was just really great to get to reconnect with those guys. They're like, it, because the last time they saw me, I was, you know, 18 going to college. And you know, it's, it's been a while. I, I won't say how long. It's been a little while since then. And, and I've really come full circle because I was going to college and now I'm running a collegiate aerospace program. So it was just really neat getting to, to reconnect with those guys and, and all that being as a result of uh, just, you know, having a great plane that's utility built for what I needed to do. And getting to use aviation to, you know, get to see my family and get to meet my new little nephew, who I'm very, very happy about. That's awesome. You know, I uh, one of my favorite pictures uh, that I've seen on Facebook uh, is actually of you guys, uh, your family in the airplane, and uh, I think one is up front all excited, and, and I think somebody's in the back sleeping. One of the little ones is sleeping, and your wife's up there, you know, smiling as the little one's sleeping against her arm. And you just sit there and have this incredible smile on your face, like this is the happiest day of your life. And uh, just it's such a neat family portrait, but a family portrait from the cockpit and uh, the, the the ultimate selfie from an airplane. I thought that was just so cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to take a family picture, do it right. You know, it's like if you're like Victoria, if you're going to apply for something, do it right. You know, <laughs> really go all out. And, you know, and that's that's a really cool story, Victoria, by the way. Uh, but if you're going to take a family yeah. picture, do it. Do it right. So that, that was the idea. So maybe we could share that picture if you want to at some point. The, I'd, yeah, I'd my, my new favorite picture, I think that I've I, it's I think it's the new background for every device that I carry now is a picture I took of Penelope, my four-year-old. She was sitting in the front seat with me, and she's covered up in her little princess blanket because it was a little cold for her up there, I guess. And she's got this headset on, which is, you know, twice the size of her head. <laughs> and um, she's got this really business-like expression with her lip poking out, and she's got both of her thumbs up. And it is one of the most adorable... <laughs> I mean, I'm biased because they're my kids, but seriously... Like it's a legitimately adorable picture, so um, I'll I'll send that one to you, Carl, so you can put it on the show page. It's awesome. just it's one of those cool things, and she enjoyed it so much. My I mean Harper, who uh, you got to interview um, at when Pigs Fly South, um, loves aviation, loves airplanes. Penelope loves big planes. She likes flying on big commercial airplanes, and she usually doesn't like flying on an airplane with me. I mean, she'll do it. Harper will get in an airplane with me any day of the week. She loves it. But and Penelope was scared when we first took off, and then she started to realize kind of how cool it was. And then when it was her turn to sit up front, um, she was she was hooked, and she had a blast after that. You know, I think Harper though uh, may be some competition for you here, Eric. I'm not sure if we're going to have you back on. We maybe I know, <laughs> I know. I think um, it's uh, it maybe time to pass the buck. No, I had I think it was three or four people who told me that. Um, you know, Eric. You know, it's really great that that <laughs> you're you know co-hosting on Stuck Mike. But I think maybe Harper should take your place. Um, and I didn't really know how to take that. So on the one hand, well, thank you. And on the other hand, I'm like, that's not nice. You know, it was, <laughs> it's not a really nice thing to say. 
but uh, she was wonderful and just just it was wonderful interviewing her. But uh, so that that was a that's a neat flight that you you brought us on a, a nice description uh, and just a wonderful family event too. So I think that brings in everything aviation and family and and having fun in life and and I appreciate that. But you know, Erica, the other question we had is, and we're going to put this out to everybody, and might as well why have you talk about it? What, you know, what, what was something you saw from the air this year uh, that was most memorable? Some sight that you saw. I, I think, well, I'll go with two. There's one on that trip um, because I, my, my mother's family actually is from South Georgia. And our, our midpoint fueling stop on that trip was um, is a little airport in South Georgia, where I, a town that I've been to many times with my mom's family. Um, and, and that was neat, being back in that area again. Um, and uh, for those of you who are familiar with um, Albany, New York. Um, there's also an Albany, Georgia. It's not Albany; it's Albany. You know, because it's Georgia. You know, <laughs> it's what it is. Um, I'm from Alabama, so I can say that. Anyway, and and I I think that it, it was just really neat because having been in there and been in that airspace before, of course, I, I know to call it Albany. And so I'm talking to um, approach, and they hand and there's a, a Delta Connection flight in front of us, um, and they have limited commercial service there. And so I heard this Delta Connection flight, and the the first officer kept referring to it as Albany, and the controller kept calling it Albany. You know, it's no big deal, and uh, and obviously they were way ahead of me on the ILS, and I, I was behind them. <laughs> was, by the time we landed, and ta- I, I landed, got on the ground, taxied off, and so they they switched me over to the ground control frequency. I call, and I'm getting ready to call ground, and I hear I hear the ground controller going, Benny. Benny, all Benny, like Benny Hinn. And he's explaining to the first officer how to refer to the airport. The, I, I guess she asked. She said, why is everybody calling? I say Albany, but everybody's saying Albany. And anyway, so they're having this discussion about how you pronounce Albany, Albany Georgia. Um, and I just thought that was hilarious. But then the, the second part was you know, just flying back home and um, you know, being back in that same area where I learned to fly and seeing it all again. And it's Mainly the same. There are some differences, but coming back in there again, you know, it's it was a just a really a neat reflective experience because you know that was my first exposure to aviation, and I was thirteen, and now here I am coming back, um, and I've got my my children in the back seat. So it just it was it was really nice uh, coming home story, I guess, and it was just really great to get to see that uh, from the air, um, and I guess I guess finally the I don't know that I, I saw it from the air, but it's so neat to be in a position where I'm doing stage checks again and evaluation flights. Um, I, I personally, I don't like evaluation flights. I like instructing. I like being able to run my mouth. So having to sit there and keep my mouth shut is really difficult. But watching these new private pilots get to the point where they're able to fly without being told what to do by an instructor, and you really do just sit there and watch them fly the airplane, watch them make good sound decisions, and make some really pretty landings. And then a couple of days later, um, me and the entire building that we're in got into the atrium of the building to welcome these people coming back in from their first solo. And to get to see them, the, the expression on their face, and we all scream and yell and cut the shirt off of them. And it's a big deal. Um, and that being around that, it's infectious. And it doesn't matter how much drama or insanity is going on in your life, getting to see that, it makes anything I have to do 
worth it. It's just so awesome to get to see that process regenerate itself over and over and over again. Well, that's an incredible flight and some incredible sights that you've seen. So you've actually had a pretty wonderful year flying, so that's great to hear. And yeah. uh, look forward to hearing more for next year. Well, thanks a lot, Eric. appreciate sure. that. Um, moving on, I think there's someone we haven't heard from in a while, and that's Sean Moody. Sean, uh, actually, like I said, has been pretty busy with work. And uh, I don't know, Sean, what's your most memorable flight this year uh, that, that you've flown? Yeah, probably. I, I haven't gotten a lot in the pilot seat this year, but I did have a fun ride as a passenger. Um, I would say probably the most memorable thing back in uh, April uh, for Thunder over Louisville. Um, it's the big uh, kickoff to the Derby Festival they do here in Kentucky every year, and they do an air show out on the over the Ohio River as a kickoff, and the Blue Angels were there this year. And I was able to uh, finagle a ride on Fat Albert, wow. and it was a blast. I've never done any kind of, of aerobatic flying, and I'm not sure you could technically call what Fat Albert does aerobatic, but it was definitely aggressive, <laughs> way more aggressive than I've ever been on, on board an airplane. Um, and, you know, they, do, they don't do the JADO takeoff anymore with the rockets, um, but, I mean, the, the, the takeoff was still just spectacular. Really, really steep climb out, and then just as you get to the top of the climb, they throw that nose over, and the entire uh, fuselage goes weightless. And uh, I was on there with uh, I don't a lot of other people. And the ride went on for, I would guess, it had to be about 25, 30 minutes. And um, as to, to, before we got into the routine, they kind of did a little bit of a, a route around Louisville. And um, we were you know in the rear of the airplane, and they dropped the, uh, the ramp down in the back. And I was maybe three seats from the very last seat toward the back. So we just had this great view of downtown Louisville, the river, just right out the back of the C-130. Um, and then after they kind of, I guess, I, I'm not entirely sure what they were doing before they started doing their maneuvers, but they closed the ramp back up, went down toward the river and started doing their maneuvers. And there aren't many windows in the rear of a C-130. There are a few and I was seated across from one of them, and so I could kind of catch a glimpse every now and then of what was happening outside the airplane. And I, there were, you know, you talk about maybe one of the most memorable things you've seen from the air this year. One of them is certainly the view at the back of the C-130. The other is looking out the window and realizing that you are having to look up at the tops of the buildings <laughs> while they're doing these maneuvers along the river. Wow. Um, it was just spectacular. And... uh I'd never done any kind of, of flying like that before. You know, the high, I'm, again, I'm not sure how high the G's were. I didn't have any way to measure it, but they certainly felt pretty impressive. And, and we went weightless several times. Uh, there were, they told me after the flight, uh, there are always a few people who, who lose their lunch on the ride. I'm um, proud to say I made it. Uh, I kept my lunch down, but. Another 15 minutes or so, I'm not sure that would have been the case. <laughs> but I'd, I'd, I would do it again in an instant for sure. Um, so jealous. Yeah, it was. And then I just saw yesterday that the Thunderbirds are coming for Thunder next year. So I may have to start uh, putting some some ride requests in order. So maybe I'll have some more stuff to report back. <laughs> awesome. I, I assume you're going to get into aerobatics now. Yeah. Oh, naturally. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I I put my deposit down on an extra. Let's do. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. I know somebody can shirt. <laughs> the, yeah. 
But you know, it's funny. Just from the, from you talking, it sounds like you really, really enjoyed it. So you might like doing some aerobatics. Here. Oh, I'd I'd love to. Given the opportunity, I'd I'd jump absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. We'll, we'll definitely have to get up and do that next time we go flying, or for the first time, actually. For uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, Sean. I appreciate that. That's uh, you know, the, that is a memorable flight. That's for sure. And not too many people have been able to experience that. And it's uh, you're in a unique situation that you get to get to experience that so thanks you know uh next up as far as memorable flights i guess then would be uh who we just heard from victoria victoria what was your most memorable uh flight and uh most either interesting or memorable sight from an airplane Hmm. you know that's a hard one this year there wasn't as much flying i didn't do as much as i have in the past and i was looking at my blog trying to refresh my memory and i noticed how little blog posts i've had compared to years past so Definitely have to change that in 2015 and get in the air more. But I think one of my favorite things about aviation is sharing it with other people and spending days with other pilots. So uh, back in October, Bob and I took the glass air and a friend and his girlfriend took their RV4 and we uh, flew in formation, not a tight formation, but we pretty much flew together to a hundred dollar hamburger. And it was one of those perfect nights. It was smooth. You could see for miles and it was a beautiful sunset. So there was definitely a lot of awesome pictures of our planes flying together and enjoying a good meal with friends. And I think those are the best days. Amen. I guess that's one of your most memorable sights from the air too, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime you see another plane or a balloon or powered parachute, just something else flying with you, that's not in immediate danger. It's it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. And uh, that you know, as far as memorable flights, gosh, I'll, I'll go next real quick, uh, and then you know, this will lead into what we want to talk with uh, you know Rick about uh, on, on the last one. Is that you know my my most memorable flight actually? Uh, you know, I, I don't get to do much flying in small airplanes anymore, and I'm just starting to change that. And I got into a 172. And uh, boy, that was the neatest feeling. I actually, you know, had first of all, I had to come up to the airplane and do a pre-flight, and I had to get up on the, you know, the strut, and then look into the tank and look at the fuel and stick the fuel and sump it and look at the oil and all those type of things. Now, most of you listening are probably thinking, well, isn't that what you do on every flight? And no, I I don't ever get to do that uh, because there's mechanics that do that usually. But the but the neatest thing was when I got into the airplane. Uh, the lady that was was with me, uh, that was uh, actually was there her airplane. I was looking at, and uh, she's she's like, wow, you know, it looks like you you really you know have aren't missing a beat. You remember everything about this. And I said, well, you know, I have a few thousand hours in the airplane, but you know, hold your judgment until I flare, okay? And so we go out around the pattern, and it was, you know, everything, I remembered pretty much everything. I did, one thing I didn't uh, anticipate was when you slow the airplane down, you bring the power back, a small plane slows down right away. Uh, whereas a big plane, you can pull the power back and eat lunch, and then all of a sudden, it slow. then it finally slows down. Uh, but there's no momentum in a small plane. So then I, uh, you know, I kind of got a little bit slow. But then we come into land, and I'm thinking everything's perfect. And uh, right about when I started flaring, I could tell she started looking at me at the corner of her eye. And at the corner of my eye, I could see her looking at me. And uh, she says, "Um, you do realize that you're 
really far from the runway, right? (laughs) (laughs) I said... With a pair of binoculars, we can see the runway (laughs) from here. I was like, you're kidding. And she's like, no. And I said, well, maybe I feel a little bit high. She goes, no, no, no. No, you're really high. <laughs> and so so I said, well, let me let me do this. I put the power and I start descending. And I'm like, well, well, how about here? And uh, she's, she's like, well, no, no, we're still a little bit high. So the first landing was, was uh, dramatic uh, <laughs> and pretty tragic. So I, I was like, and it's pretty funny to see somebody, you know, most you walk up and people think, you know, you're an airline pilot and gosh, this person's just going to know everything about the airplane and stuff. But, you know, when we get into an airplane that's that small, flaring is usually at 50 feet for us in a small airplane. 50 feet is way above the, yeah. the runway. So. You know, it's, it's so funny to hear you talk about this because it's not surprising at all that that would happen to you. But it, but you don't think about it well, you know, from our point of view. The, you know, but of course, you know, your, your sight picture is totally 50 different. feet higher. Totally different. And the yeah. funny thing is though, I knew it was going to happen and I did it. Because <laughs> I, I remember teaching airline pilots when they came back from furlough or whatever that, they, that they're going to flare too high. And, and I actually did exactly what I thought I shouldn't do and and I I walked myself through the whole bad scenario. Uh so that that was an incredible memorable flight. And the second time by the way I fl- I flared at about the first time I flared at 50, the second time I flared at 25. And about the third one I finally flared and was just about a foot off the runway. So um and she looks at me and says, "So you okay with all those?" I said, "Well, no, but you know, I I could safely land. I just it's not <laughs> not quite the prettiest thing." So what was really cool is the fact that I felt like a a student again. I think that was the neatest and most memorable part of the occasion. It was just like, "Oh, this is so neat." I was like, I had so much fun and and I I think she thought I was crazy that uh, she's like, you had fun? And I was like, yeah. I said, this is so neat. It's a challenge. And uh, and that's why we get into aviation is, is for a challenge. But uh, So it was very funny, and, and I wish I wish I had a camera just so that people could have watched me flaring at 50 feet. And and, uh, and it wasn't the prettiest landing in the world, but that that was that was a blast. And uh, to, to uh, Nan, who some of us know who Nan is, thanks so much for, for taking me up in the 172. And I am, I the neatest thing about the whole thing is I'm hooked on general aviation again. Uh, I, I knew if I went up, it wouldn't be, there'd be no turning back. So uh, the next person that's going to, oh gosh, I, I just, it, it's just the neatest feeling in the world. Um, it, you know, here's the funny thing. You get up there, there's this freedom that you don't have in the world of of airline flying. And I looked at her, I said, hey, you know, can we turn right? She's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I was like, this is so cool. I mean, I, I have to always turn to a heading and, to, and stick on an altitude. I can never vacate that altitude or that heading or else I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. And there's this incredible sense of freedom that we have uh, when we're flying in a general aviation airplane that you'll never get flying flying a, a larger uh, airplane with the airlines. So anybody listening that's an airline pilot, you really need to try a small plane again. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people on the fence, and I've heard it a million times. People say, one of these days, I'm going to go fly one of those again. Well, spend the money and do it. it, it you'll, it just, it'll change, change your life. It really will. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. Um, it reminds me of my friends that are into Harley-Davidson's. Uh, and riding motorcycles, they tell me how they love the freedom. And I said, you know, that's exactly the way I felt when I was flying the small plane. I was like, God, I, I feel so free and alive again. So so I'm back into it. Eric Crump's going to help me uh, 
get current again. And uh, Eric, did you know that? <laughs> I know that. I've actually, I've already started self-medicating. So um, that's fine. Actually, you know, I had to pay Nan a $500 just to get an airplane with you. Wow. Uh, so wow. it was, it was tough. I begged her and begged her and begged her. And she said, you're gonna have to buy me off. I'm, I'm Is that why she was happy afterwards? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I'm so happy you got to do that. Oh, I, I awesome. think, um, I think that's so great. And like you, when I was in Atlanta, you know, we would see so many airline pilots who would come in and, and want to stay GA current. And it was, it's the same thing. It's always that, why are we rounding out? And <laughs> why are we flaring? <laughs> We're more than a wingspan above the ground. What, what are we doing? And it's, it's funny because you really do take it for granted. You take for granted what that, that extra, like Rick was talking about, like the, the sight picture, you really do take that for granted, the difference in the height and what it'll do to your vision. And not just the difference in the height, but just the difference in the approach speed and the approach profile for that matter. Because in a 172, you're pointing yourself at the ground during the, during, during the descent phase to approach the landing, where in the airline, you're relatively flat. It's a nice right. kind of flat approach. And um, there's there's a lot of transition there. And um, and anyway, I, I think it's really cool that... Um, that you want to, that you understand um, that there's a need there. It's a different kind of operation. I mean, if I went and got back in a, you know, a, uh, you know, you know, GA charter operation now, I couldn't just get back in that airplane and fly it like I used to, because I've been, I'm out of practice. And um, and there's an important lesson there. But I'm so thrilled for you. You got the cho- the chance to do it again. Yeah, it was awesome. You know what scared me is getting back into the Airbus and saying to myself, oh boy, I'm going to crush this on because I'm going to flare at five feet. And uh, I didn't, though. Thank God I was back to, to the normal Airbus kind of landing. And it, it, it was uh, it was interesting, though, that, that once I landed uh, in the Airbus after I started doing some landings in the smaller plane, I was, I, was almost, I was a little nervous, just like I was nervous in the small plane. So it was kind of neat. It was neat to have that freshness Cause, again. Because the, the same problem same, in reverse is exactly, not good. Exactly. It, is, it isn't. No. No, it makes for a very sporty landing, uh, something <laughs> more <Quite sporty. laughs> like a, a naval aviator would do, uh, but not not so much somebody who's flying for the airlines, <laughs> crushing it on the deck. But but that was just wonderful. I mean, it's it's just. But what's really cool is that there's so many neat people in general aviation that are willing to work with you and get you back into it. So that that was the other thing too. Uh, I remember talking to this guy, Mark, uh, over in Lakeland and saying, hey, listen, man, can I go up with you and teach me how to land? He goes, yeah, right. I said, no, no, really. I, I want to learn how to land because I haven't landed a small plane in so long. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, that was a wonderful flight, most memorable. But uh, actually, one, it's interesting, though. My most memorable view uh, and most incredible thing I saw from the air was, was actually flying for work in, in the bus, in the Airbus, is that um, – and the neatest thing about this was the fact that we were flying into down to Trinidad, and when you come from the north going south, you go over the shallow water, and then you can see the drop-off into the deeper water of the Atlantic, because this is on the southeast side of the Caribbean, uh, right, near, right next to Venezuela. You know, Trinidad is only seven miles from Venezuela. And as we're coming in, we see these waves, but the waves look different because normally when you see waves, you see, you know, little white caps or crests and stuff like that. And we're somewhere around 15,000 feet, you know, we're a lot lower. And we're looking at these things and they're not moving anywhere. I mean, they're just like dead in the water. And and we're both looking at each other like, what in the world are we looking at? Because this was his first time uh, to Trinidad. 
And I was like, gosh, man, I don't know. But the first thing that came through my mind uh, was there was an earthquake, maybe, and this is a tsunami. You know, this is the first thing that goes through your mind. And the people that are listening that, that know what the heck it was uh, are probably laughing right now, thinking, oh, my gosh, he just doesn't understand the geography of this whole thing. But what we were looking at was a thing called internal wave trains or internal waves. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but you sometimes see that at the, the base of a river that opens into the ocean. And these are actual wave formations that, that form underneath the water. And through the light refraction, you can actually see the, the waves propagate, but they don't actually hit the surface. And they move quite slowly. And usually it's due to the different densities of the water surrounding it. Like, for instance, you have you know very uh, salty water and then uh, water that might be full of some kind of dirt, etc., or silt. And, and they propagate very, very, very slowly, so as if they aren't moving at all. And this was phenomenal. So I went and looked this up on the Internet. And if you look up uh, internal waves on, I think it's Wikipedia, it has a picture from a satellite, a NASA satellite. We'll try to put this in the show notes, of exactly what I was looking at. It was the waves just above Trinidad as we were flying in. It's this amazing shot. Uh, from uh, the satellites, which we actually were able to see coming in, so that was that was the most amazing sight that I've ever seen, and that was my my first flight down there to Trinidad. It was it was just just absolutely incredible to see this, and it was disconcerting at first because you're thinking, if we were both thinking, if this you know is a tsunami, you know when we land we might be in a in a very wet airport, but uh, but no, it, it wasn't, and and uh, we we finally researched this on the internet, but just a, a beautiful thing to see. Um, so moving on, uh, I think uh, the one person that we didn't hear from tonight and uh, yes. is Rick Felty, and Rick, uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about your year and challenges as far as flying. Yeah, um, so the topic came up, and uh, you know, I kind of did a little you know back channel conversation with Carl earlier in the day, and I said. You know, I mean, in a way, it sounds like maybe Sean's sort of in the same boat, which is that the the, the quick answer is I didn't do any flying in this last calendar year. Um, and but we, you know, but Carl and I had a conversation and said, you know, there, it's worth it to talk about that at least briefly um, because a lot of people go through that or make or make those choices. Um, and in my case, it's sort of been a choice that um, that at least for the the short the, the short term, I need to. Uh, focus elsewhere. Those of you who've watched my YouTube channel certainly realize that there have not been a lot of new videos posted in a while. Um, I do have a few more that I could edit, but I haven't, I haven't even had time to edit them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, and those of you who know me, and if you don't, I mean, I basically in the last um, several years have done what a lot of people I think tend to do when they're in their 20s and 30s, which is start a new family. And so I have a, um, a sort of a lot of focus right now on um, my son, who's um, five, about to turn six, and you know want to stay able to be in a position to fly with him. But that's not currently sort of a high priority, uh, given the dynamics of everything else. So I kind of made a choice to uh, step away a bit and uh, focus there, and not, you know, I, I actually went through a lot of thought process about it, you know, trying to stay current. But then, how often, you know, I, I certainly have done enough to know that if I can't do it frequently enough, then even doing it a little and then waiting a year doesn't that that little I did it's fun but it doesn't accomplish much because I'm going to get I'm going to get uh, you know less uh, currency very quickly um, so without a, without an ability to do it on a regular basis I thought well this is I should slow I should just stop for a while and um, so that was the decision I made and 
it's it's totally cool because I've got, <laughs> I've got my hands full um, having a blast. But um, but in a way, that's that's kind of an important thing. And I, but I know I'll go back to it. I'm still I still think about it a lot. I still um, you know I'm, I'm engaged in the idea of general aviation and flying in, uh, as well. But um, you know, haven't been able to fly and pretty fully busy uh, not doing that at the moment. But I'm excited to get back into it. And you know, the, the other the other thing I thought of. So I thought, well, and you you guys were talking about things you've seen. And I think I may have even only taken one commercial flight in the last year, uh, which was rather uneventful, thankfully. But um, but I, I, if I extend the recent flight time, and we can talk about me not flying too uh, as well, but I thought I'd go ahead and yeah. cover a, a flight. Uh, if I extend it back a little further, I did a couple of flights um, not that long ago with um, a young friend of mine named Andrew Blanchard, who I've mentioned on oh. the air before he was at Purdue. And he was home and he is now, since then, uh, he's a CFI and he's uh, still at Purdue, you know, working his way through that program, but um, tons of experience and ratings and, and you name it. But at the time, he hadn't quite done that. But it was very cool because our flight, if I look back on it, felt like he was sort of in training for that because it was very, you know, he was a very supportive presence uh, in the cockpit. He, by then, had more experience than I had. Uh, he had quickly gotten to that point. And um, so we flew to Block Island, which I don't know if, if those of you know um, New England and the coast, but I do a lot of, did a lot of flying down to uh, Martha's Vineyard, uh, Nantucket. And actually, in one of my training flights, I flew to an airport at Groton, Connecticut, which is a cool airport, right? I've always wanted to go there, oh, Block Island. Yeah. It's on my and- list. They're both, and they're both very, and yeah. So threading the needle between uh, the Vineyard and and Groton, Connecticut, which is a cool airport too, given that the runway just you, know, you come in right over the water. All those airports have that. Well, but I hadn't done Block Island, um, partly because as a student, I think Block Island was on the approval list based on the length of the runway. It's not terribly short, but there was a there was a line drawn for you know for insurance reasons, I'm sure, for students. Um, uh, but we went there, and we and it was just we had a blast, and, and it was a uh, beautiful. You know, little little tiny place that suddenly you know just gets bigger and bigger in the in the windscreen, and then um, and then uh, had a great lunch, and then taking off, we we hugged the coast and kind of swung out, um, you know, around sort of the coast of Rhode Island, and then back up, um, you know, back up uh, toward Norwood, uh, toward Boston area. So um, and it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful day, and there will be videos of that. That's the video that I still have to edit, and it's it's pretty cool. So I just need to get around to doing it, but um, yeah. So that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. And I'm hoping, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, um, you know, I mean, my, my wife and I've talked about it because we want to, I want to be able to bring him with me and do the things that, um, you know, that you guys have been talking about with family. And that'll, that'll happen when, you know, when it can. And that, that won't be too far away now. I mean, age-wise, I know he could do it now. It's just um, part of it then is a commitment on my part to do more flying to stay safe and current and be comfortable and, um and uh, that that needs to line up as well. So that's my that's where I'm at. You know, Rick, it's interesting when you were mentioning this. I'm thinking, gosh, you, you seem to really stay engaged with aviation. <laughs> yeah, it's not hard. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who I know and talk you know talk about and study and are knowledgeable about aviation, who who either aren't even pilots or or uh, have had to step away. And it it, it feels it's funny. I I certainly know what steps I'd have to take to be comfortable again stepping back into it and there would be it would be fun there would be training and and I know that and uh but I also know that there's some parts of it that are just built in now that I've done it um in terms of awareness of what happens in the process of 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 preparing to fly and flying and you know and and after flying so um 
yeah, it's not hard to stay engaged. Plus, with the podcasts and with with uh, data available on uh, apps and things, I'm I'm still fairly active. I haven't I haven't even had time to step back into uh, sim you know simulator flying, which is what I kind of did before I really had the time to devote it to to training and getting my uh, ticket. But 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 because it doesn't feel like that's enough, and I really I don't have time. So. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm still very, uh, very into it. It's very. It's just an amazing thing. Yeah. Do you actually do you read a lot of magazines about aviation? Also, I have. Well, I take them. I take a bunch. Yeah, and I do. I, you know, I mean, I, I I sort of quickly pick through the things. You know, the stories or whatever. But yeah, um, you know, I do. And a lot of it's still. I, I still get fascinated by training stuff um, because I still feel like I'm training a lot. You know, so it's it's reading and, you know, there's always every so often an approach on land and uh, an article on landings and, and an article on whatever. It, it's just, it's always a learning process. I'm not so much reading into reading about planes, you know, types of new planes. And I'm not really, uh, you know, into the, te- into that technology as much, mostly because I don't see, you know, I don't know that I'll be an opportunity to try lots of different planes. So planes themselves don't interest me, but process does and how things work and why they are what they are. And, and, um, hearing people's stories, you know, following people who've done ferry flights across the Pacific, you know, um, you know, Victoria's stories, you know, when she's traveling, it's, it's all very cool to even vicariously, um, to do, do some of that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still fun. Awesome. <laughs> even not, not not having been in the air. I mean, it was funny. When you asked about sites, I thought, wow, I, I didn't even go up with uh, – there's a guy I fly with, a tailwheel uh, CFI I fly with on the vineyard fairly – you know, like at least a couple times a year. Didn't get up with him this year either. Uh, so I saw him, but I didn't get to hop in his um, bird dog and, you know, buzz, uh, buzz some small airports, which is a fun thing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Wow, you know what? What's cool is just listening to you because it sounds like you're pretty excited about aviation, and that's that's kind of oh yeah. And I think people, you know, if there's people out there who are who are doing what I'm doing, but they're 20 or 30 and they're having a family, but they either did it or want to do it, you know, it will come. You'll have time. Just focus on your thing, and 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 there's lots you can do to kind of ready yourself for when you when the room opens up in your world. And I had the same thing. I was not. I didn't even learn to fly till you know till I was in my early you know well, it would have been late 40s and. Because I, I had I had other commitments prior to that, and then I had this window where it opened up, and I had room, and I really could engage fully. And now I'm I'm trying out something else that I really wanted to do in my life, and 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 then I'll I'll go back to it. So, awesome, very fun, yeah, very, very encouraging. Thanks, thanks yeah, for fun. that. Sure, uh, that's terrific. Um, but you know, who would have thought some of the best stories would come from someone who hasn't flown all year? You know? <laughs> well, we'll keep. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll keep. I'll, I'll keep trying to come up with something. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thanks, Rick, and and thanks to everybody here. I mean, this has been a, been a really awesome, awesome year, and uh, you know, things at the podcast have evolved, and uh, uh, you know, Len Costa actually, uh, if remembering back, he was he was the host, and uh, he's actually been doing some amazing aviation uh, lately, and we're gonna. Uh, hopefully get some pictures from him uh doing some ballooning in thailand so if he's here right now he would talk about his ballooning wow. uh so we'll, we'll uh, hopefully have some of those pictures on here well terrific those are some great stories and by the way on the next episode we're going to have uh, our best of uh for the end of the year and let's not forget happy new year because by the time uh, uh we do you do listen to this it's uh or we are together again i should say it's going to be a new year, so I uh, uh, can't wait till the next year to start flying some small planes again. Our Picks of the Week. Also, at the end of this podcast, we always do our Picks of the Week, and uh, let's start that off with uh, Victoria. You have an interesting Pick of the Week this week. 
Yeah, my pick of the week is 1-800-WX-BRIEF.COM. And I did not even realize this existed until I went to a safety seminar the other day. And I always thought it was the phone number you call, 1-800-WX-BRIEF. Get your flight plan. Well, this website is so awesome. You can get a sign-on. You can save and load previous flight plans, save and load previous aircraft, and you can file your flight plan online and get an official FSS um, brief. And you can see all the images that they would see on their screens and plot out your route and see different color codes of whether you're VFR or IFR, TFRs, things like that along your route. Awesome. So 1-800-WXBRIEF.COM, I guess is right. Actually, yeah. And there's a fun feature. Um, The other day I was flying to Pennsylvania. Um, I was going to be bringing Bob and his sister. And I wanted to forward the weather to Bob just so he would see what was up. So once you get your whole brief, you have the option to email that to someone, including yourself, so they can see the whole printout of what you just saw. Oh, neat. Neat. So, so it's quite fun. Awesome. So it's uh, 1-800-WX-BRIEF, and you can send a flight plan to your friends, kind of like a, a briefing you'd give to your passengers. Exactly. That, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That That's neat. That you, you know, that, I wasn't even expecting that. That's so awesome that you brought that up. Uh, because it's, one, it's way better than I thought it would be when they were telling me about this. I was like, how did I not hear about this before? And it's my go-to place now. Cool, cool. Well, thanks. I appreciate that one. That's that's a good one. I'm going to start using that now, now and, and see how it works out for me. So that's terrific. And uh, our next pick of the week actually is going to be uh, Sean Moody. Sean, what is your pick of the week? Mine is going to be uh, X-Plane Mobile 10. Um, it's going to be coming out, according to their website, this holiday season. So by the time this uh, hits your podcatcher, it may already actually be out on the App Store. Um, it's been a while since they, you know, they had X Plane Nine on uh, iOS for a while, and they haven't updated it since 2013. And they released a YouTube video, and the graphics just look gorgeous on this one. And according to the website, this one is going to be free to play, so you can you can download it, and it looks like you get a Cessna 172, and then you can purchase other airplanes within the app if you want. Um, I've tried a, a few of the apps. There's this one. I've tried Infinite Flight as well, and, and they're all great. Um, and I'm really looking forward to see what uh, what they do with this new version of X-Plane. Uh, for guys like me and Rick who maybe aren't actually up in the air, this is a nice little thing to, to pass the time when we can't actually be up in the air. Oh, awesome. That, yeah, and that looks like a, a lot of fun to use. So thanks. Thanks for that one. Uh, and uh, pick of the week, I, I guess I'll go next as far as a pick of the week. This is, to me, really neat. It uh, makes me think about aviation uh, when I'm not flying, which is, is not that often lately, but... It's this really amazing artist slash photographer. Uh, Paul Job Photography uh, is uh, the website, and he has these like stylized photos of aircraft uh, flying uh, through the air with uh, light in in the background. And this, like, say it's the moon that's lighting up uh, the aircraft flying by, and say it's an aerobatic flight. You can actually see the clouds, and you can see the the stream of smoke behind the aircraft. And uh, it's it's an incredibly high definition, and the what he does it truly truly is artwork. And one of my uh, favorites is uh, an extra red extra that he has flying by with the smoke trailing behind, and 
you can see the clouds in the sky and and the, and the moon is just just absolutely phenomenal so check that out if you're looking for a gift this christmas that would be a good one if you want to send it to me i'd be more than happy but the price tags are kind of high on some of these prints is uh you can actually buy a phone case too with some of these these prints and those are as low as like 60 dollars, i think uh, so check that out paul john photography let's see our, our next person that has a pick of the week is eric crump eric yeah, so for my pick of the week, um, it's kind of a combined pick of the week slash shout out. Um, I I really really enjoy reading FA Safety Briefing Magazine, um, which I know is kind of weird. It's like why would you enjoy reading something from the FAA? And mainly because one of my very good friends, um, who is j- just a tremendous asset to general aviation, Susan Parson, is the editor of uh, FA Safety Briefing, and she does a tremendous job. In addition to her, you know, normal job running or par- running special projects for the Flight Standards Office of the FAA, her other job is being the editor of uh, FAA Safety Briefing, and it's one of those things that um, there's so much wisdom in this in this thing. It's um, uh, six issues a year. Um, they're issued for you know two months at a time, and or whatever they come out every two months. However you want to say that, it's too late for me to think that that dramatically. Um, but the current issue aptly, uh, it is winter operations. And, um, and obviously the, the focus points throughout the year are on special focus items. Um, tons of great information there. Uh, it's free. Um, it's an FAA document, so you know, it's going to be free. You can get the EPUBs, uh, from, uh, FAA, from the FAA safety briefing website, uh, which is easy. Um, or if you're a Kindle person, you can have it automatically delivered to you every time a new one comes out. You can also subscribe to the print version. Uh, the subscription is dirt cheap for a magazine. Um, but again, if you prefer to have one in your hand. Um, and uh, again, just really great content. But you got to go beyond that because it's not just the magazine. The FA Safety Briefing uh, Twitter account is one of the, I guess, one of my favorite go-to aviation Twitter accounts um, for two reasons. One, because tons of great wisdom being posted there and a lot of links and cross-references to other FA source material. So if you're reading about winter operations, for example, and you're wondering about, uh, I don't know, uh, ski and and skid information for uh, aircraft that operate those types of things, there's information, there's discussion that continues on Twitter, and then links back to other FA source documents, advisory circulars, and things like that. So it, it really ties in the whole picture. And it's one of the few Twitter accounts that I've seen, um, especially at the governmental level, where there's a lot of interaction with people. So a lot of people will post questions, uh, get answers, links to previous issues, um, things like that. So um, just all around, a, a really great group that put that together, and it's a very small group, as you can imagine, um, uh, that work on on that project. And uh, just, uh, it, it's good. I love it. Um, I love uh, I, I love using the articles in uh, in courses that we that we provide. Um, and then also, um, it, it's funny because I'll be talking to a student. We'll be talking about something like I think that was in last month's FA safety briefing. I'm like, oh. We've reached you. We have we have accomplished the goal. Um, anyway, so uh, great material and it's free. Um, so check it out. So that FA safety briefing. It's uh, you also say it's on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we'll have to take a look at that. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate. Yeah, that. on Twitter, I think they're 
FAA Safety Brief. I think that's their Twitter handle. Gotcha. gotcha. I'll take a look at that. Um, and uh, thanks, thanks for that. That's a very informative one. That's uh, it's it, apropos. It's winter ops. It's time to start preparing for that this year. And uh, Rick, you have a pick of the week also. Yeah. So um, in addition to aviation, I've always also been into uh, weather and uh, weather forecasting, and uh, not just as an avocation or. And those two things came together nicely in, in flying. There's a, obviously weather is a, a key part of what we do. Um, but there's this cool I, – I, I like apps and, and technology that lets um, sort of everyday people tap into the process. And um, things like – well, like crowdsourcing stuff. Like if you – I don't know if any of you use Waze as a uh, traffic app, but it is an app that lets all the users post references to traffic driving around and and that gets aggregated so what you get is sort of real-time updates about accidents about road closures about whatever um from from the group that is all using that same app um and there is an app that just that i just became aware of that's called mping that's m-p-i-n-g which stands for meteorological phenomena identification near the ground um, and it's a free app that's available for in both the app store and in the google play store um, and works on a number quite a quite a few generations back of, of pads and phones and basically it lets you participate in reporting um, weather phenomenon in your area that are happening uh, closer to the ground um, it's uh you know if you read their website it's um basically whether it says you know weather radars cannot see at the ground so MPing reports are used by the uh, by NOAA National Weather Service to fine tune their forecasts. So you're you know you're kind of participating and you get to see in real time the report you've given and others in your area. So if rain is starting, I mean the report types are you know uh, various you know rain and or snow and then types of rain or snow, hail, wind damage, a tornado on the ground, um, and, you know and and you can also report when those things have ended. And um, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's also connected to the you know the sort of National Severe Storms Laboratory, um, and uh, you just look for M Ping P I N G M Ping, and uh, I think it's pretty cool, pretty fun, especially if you're into weather and want to kind of play a role in uh, how it gets acquired. I downloaded it. Yeah, cool. I mean, I have my own weather station in the backyard that reports to Weather Underground. Really? So the, we do yeah, too. Weather isn't that great? Tonight. <laughs> oh, that's, I did not know that. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's fun. I should tell you, there's, I'll send you a, there's another app that I think is out there for both platforms that is a better display of your data than anything else I've seen from oh, your own cool. station. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Okay, geeks, we're geeked out there. Sorry. That is totally <laughs> geeky, guys. But that's yeah, it. Yeah, Mping. <laughs> Mping. That's, that's a neat neat thing. That's uh, part of that whole cooperative, the Oklahoma University, I think it was. That, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the Mesoscale or whatever institute or whatever they call it. But uh, I mean, that, that's pretty neat stuff. Seeing this, I actually almost got back into something else I'd done. I don't know if you've heard about the SETI project, but the search mm-hmm. for extraterrestrial life. But they... They, for years, have let people use their local computers' screensavers to when they're... We had that growing up. My dad always had it on his computer. (laughs) I know. It's cool. They basically send you bits of data they've acquired and let your computer's processor, when it's screensaving, crunch the numbers for them. And then they aggregate that back. So it's like this, again, a bit of crowdsourcing. It's kind of fun. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Neat Too stuff. Too much. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, thanks, Rick. And, I, and thanks, yeah. everybody, for, the, for their input on their picks of the week. The After Landing Checklist. You know, one of the things that I love about this crowd here at Stuck Mike is everybody is so passionate about aviation. And we can be uh, airplane geeks, but also 
be passionate about flying and and bring that to you you know it's uh it's neat to to look at all the really technical side of things but also uh look at those things that that we you know we look at from the eyes of a child uh looking out a window and that's you know looking down upon the earth and and looking out amongst our friends that are flying out there and uh you know just because this is our last uh, one for the year it's actually been a been an incredible pleasure working with with all you folks uh both the listeners and also the co-hosts here, uh, you know, Victoria and Rick and Eric and Sean all bring something very unique to this. And, uh, you know, this truly is, you know, a podcast about learning to fly and, and living to fly and, and loving to fly. And, and they, and each person is unique here, just like you, uh, in their experiences with aviation. And we'd love to hear more from you. And I'd love to hear feedback from our listeners. And, uh, you know, it, until, you know, next year, uh, Happy New Year again. Uh, we can't wait uh, to get together again to discuss uh, more about aviation. There's some really exciting things that are going to happen in 2015, so I hope you'll stay tuned. We have some, some great ideas about some new events and, and some new things coming down the road, and we'll tell you about them in January. Well, folks, we do appreciate your listening, and uh, safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.